Chapter 11 Kathleen swam closer to the surface and pushed the ship to safety with a magical current. Zoe and Althea held the Kraken heart and desperately sang a lullaby. The rest of the merfolk continued their song of attack. Queen Galaris and her guards floated a distance away, out of tentacle reach but still close enough to contribute to the song. None of it did any good. The queen sang a high-sustained note. The oysters clipped to Fiora's tail shuddered and let go. Fiora revised her thought. The magic had done some good, but it hadn't stopped the kraken. She shook out her tail and gritted her teeth. Surely she could do something to help. She didn't know the song of attack, but at this point the music was chaos anyway. Fiora pulled water through her gills and sang a single note as loudly as she could. She didn't worry about blending in or not sounding human. She simply poured everything she could into a pitch that was more of a scream than a song. When she had released her frustration, she transitioned the note into a more aggressive form of the lullaby, commanding the kraken to go to sleep rather than coaxing it. The kraken's eyelids drooped, and it sank towards the ravine. Gather around it. Althea ordered. Follow my lead. Fiora turned to swim towards her aunt, but something on the surface caught her eye. Splintered wood from the ship cast dark shadows against the waves, but there was something else. Clouds cleared, and the last rays of the setting sun showed the silhouette of a human floating in the waves. He must have fallen overboard, and Kathleen's song had pulled the ship away before they could retrieve him. Below Fiora, the kraken wriggled in the ravine as it fought sleep. The mermaids had regrouped into a dome over the creature. Under Althea's direction, they were weaving the attack song and the lullaby together in a more organized fashion, creating a coherent enchantment that seemed to be working. They didn't need her help. Fiora turned away from the choir and swam as fast as she could towards the human. He slipped beneath the waves as Fiora raced to meet him. Was she too late? Please, don't be too late. She reached the man, wrapped her arms around his torso, and pulled him back to the surface. He was unconscious but he gasped for air when they broke through the waves. Thank goodness. His ship was nowhere in sight. Kathleen must have sent it back to shore. Something rumbled beneath them, and Fiora dragged the man through the water. It would be best to put some distance between them and the kraken just in case it woke up again. He sputtered as she squeezed a little too tightly. Fiora adjusted her grip so she could see his face. She almost dropped him in surprise. King Gustav. The king did not respond. Fiora wrapped her arms around him and swam harder. She tried not to think about the resentment she felt towards this man, but she couldn't shake it. King Gustav had ruined her chances at the princess test by presenting evidence for Lena. I would be married by now if not for you, she whispered. I would be human. King Gustav did not respond. His face was limp, and he looked more pathetic than aggravating at the moment. Blood from a cut on his head trickled down his face and into his beard. Fiora pushed away her anger about the princess test and focused on swimming. King Gustav wasn't particularly heavy since he was floating, but it was hard to keep his head above water and move with any kind of speed. His clothes added to his bulk and dragged in the water. So this was why mermaids didn't wear clothing. Fiora considered removing some of the king's clothes to make swimming easier, but that would be difficult to do while keeping his head above water.
not to mention how awkward it would be if he woke up while she was doing it. She gritted her teeth and kept pulling the king towards shore. The mermaid's song faded into silence as she swam. Fiora swallowed the guilt she felt for leaving them. They had a full choir. One voice wouldn't make a difference. The cut on Gustav's head left a trail of blood in the water. Hopefully that wouldn't attract sharks or other predators. Fiora stopped to rest and grimaced at the dark patch that formed around them. The king was losing a lot of blood. He was still alive, wasn't he? His skin was cold from being in the water. Was he breathing? Please still be alive. The water behind her flashed green then changed to a pulsing blue glow. Did that mean the merfolk had finally put the kraken back to sleep? Why had it woken up in the first place? Fiora swallowed. She was the only singer who had made a mistake. She had entered late and out of tune and allowed her human voice mix into the song. Had that disturbed the music enough to wake the monster? If so, that made her responsible for King Gustav's death if he didn't survive. He had to survive. Fiora sang the song of healing that Zoe had used to ease the pain from the oysters. Thank goodness those hateful shells had fallen off during the chaos of the attack. Tradition or not, she refused to wear them again. Magic traveled through her voice and settled on Gustav's wounds. The bleeding slowed as the cut healed. Fiora sang until the skin knit itself back together and closed the wound. There was still an enormous bruise on his head, but at least he wouldn't lose any more blood. King Gustav stirred and opened his eyes but didn't seem to see her. He stared at the sky, not focusing on anything in particular. Moonlight shimmered on the waves around them, and stars twinkled overhead. Fiora changed her song to a lullaby. Gustav closed his eyes and relaxed in her arms. As soon as he fell asleep, she kicked her tail, eager to reach land and put him back where he belonged. She swam towards the same beach she had visited earlier that day. It was close enough to Montaigne's castle that she could fetch help for Gustav once he was safely on dry land. She kept singing the lullaby, and he didn't wake up again. Finally they reached the beach. Fiora pushed King Gustav as far as she could onto the sand. It wasn't far enough. His legs were still in the water. He would end up chilled that way and might be pulled to sea by a large wave. Fiora pulled herself onto the sand, crawling on her belly in a truly undignified manner. She felt a sudden burst of sympathy for every fish she had ever seen flopping around on dry land. When she had made it far enough up the beach, she grabbed King Gustav's shoulders and pulled him towards her. He was much heavier now that he was out of the water. Fiora dug her tail into the sand to brace against his weight, but she still couldn't drag him far enough. She sang a song and created a small wave to pull the king up the beach. When the water receded, he was safely out of the ocean. Fiora sighed in relief and leaned over him to check for further injuries. The king's eyes fluttered open. Fiora froze, as if he wouldn't see her if she stayed perfectly still. What would she do if King Gustav recognized her as a mermaid? But the king's eyes held no recognition. He seemed dazed as he stared at her, his gray eyes unfocused. When he tried to sit up, his face contorted in pain. Stay down, Fiora said. The king obeyed, and Fiora sang again. There was no point in dragging his majesty halfway through the ocean only to leave him on the beach in agony. 
she was by no means an accomplished healer, but her singing seemed to make Gustav feel better. His eyes closed, and his features relaxed. Hello? Fiora looked up. Someone had emerged from the trees and was running towards them. She pushed away from King Gustav and rolled down the beach. She hit the water with a splash and dove under the waves. Then she hid behind a rock and watched. A woman ran to the injured king. She wore a black cloak and hood that hid her face from Fiora's view. She knelt over Gustav and seemed to be speaking to him. Fiora frowned as the woman pulled something from her cloak. What if she harmed King Gustav? Fiora still felt responsible for him. King Gustav woke up and said something in response, but Fiora couldn't quite make out the words. She leaned further around the rock, trying to see what was happening. Voices rang out from further up the beach, and flickering torches lit the darkness. Someone was coming from the castle. Fiora swam down the shore, following the sound. When she was as close as she could get without leaving the water, she picked up a rock and threw it at a tree. Did you hear that? Someone called. The voices drew nearer. Fiora threw more rocks, leading the search party down the beach towards Gustav. Gustav, are you there? The speaker came around the corner and gasped. Oh, I found him. Everyone, I found him. Fiora recognized Gustav's sister, Colette, and sighed in relief. The princess would take care of her brother. Fiora hid behind a rock and watched a small crowd gather around Gustav. The woman in the cloak had disappeared. King Gustav recovered consciousness and stammered a reply to the multitude of questions being hurled at him. Judging from the crowd's responses, he wasn't making much sense. Colette took control and directed the guards to carry her brother back to the castle. Satisfied that Gustav was safe, Fiora dove beneath the waves and swam into the open ocean. Chapter 12 There was singing. A woman's voice coming from all directions at once. It sounded familiar, but Gustav couldn't remember where he had heard it before. Her song surrounded him and filled his senses. He opened his eyes, but water blurred his vision. Liquid copper floated around him. He reached for it but found he couldn't move. Someone held him tight. Gustav struggled against the arms that restrained him, and his vision blurred again. He closed his eyes and focused on the singing. There was healing in the music. It settled on the places the kraken had bruised and eased the pain. The kraken. He had been attacked by a kraken. In a cave in Santel, and it had knocked a rock loose that cut his head. But the throbbing from that wound faded as he listened to the singing. And that wasn't quite right. He had been attacked by a kraken again, recently. There had been music and light and a chaotic ocean. Something solid pressed against Gustav's back. Solid and dry. He reached down and dug his fingers into sand. The singing stopped as hands clasped his shoulders and dragged him further up the beach. Gustav opened his eyes and saw two sapphires framed by a starry sky. No, they were eyes. Bright, beautiful blue eyes in a woman's face. She seemed familiar somehow. Brilliant red strands of hair blew in the wind, obscuring the woman so Gustav couldn't see her well enough to distinguish her features. He tried to sit up for a better look, but the world blurred as he moved. Stay down. Gustav obeyed, and she started singing again. 
The music banished the dark spots in his vision and eased the throbbing in his head. Hello? A new voice called out. The woman's blue eyes widened in surprise, and she disappeared from his view. Gustav heard a splash, then footsteps. Then the angel was back, her hair more golden than red now that it was dry. How had she dried it so fast? Had her eyes always had that tint of green? She held a sparkling golden gem over Gustav's heart. It glowed as she whispered words he couldn't quite make out, and his chest filled with warmth like a newly kindled fire. He smiled at the woman. I love you. Why had he said that? He didn't even know her. But he meant it from the bottom of his heart. She had saved him. She must be a good person. The warmth in his chest grew hotter, as if confirming his love. Good. She sounded bored with the whole thing. What had Gustav done to upset her? That would never do. He couldn't let his lady be upset. He squinted, trying to make out her face, but the night was dark and the woman wore a hood. When had she put on that cloak? Was she cold? If she was cold, it was his fault. He should have offered her his coat. He wasn't wearing a coat, and he was cold and wet himself. How had that happened? He tried to remember, but the warmth in his chest distracted him. He loved her. Voices rang through the night, and the woman disappeared into the darkness. Gustav struggled to sit up, but a wave of dizziness forced him back to the sand. He coughed up a bit of seawater and stared at the sky. The warmth in his chest turned heavy and held him down as it settled into his skin and slowly spread through his body. Gustav, are you there? This was a different voice, but one he knew well. Why did he know that voice? Oh, I found him. Everyone, I found him. Colette. The name floated into his mind, although he couldn't quite remember why he knew it. He tried to focus, but the warmth in his chest had spread to his head. It wrapped his thoughts in a lovely warm cloud, reminding him that only his love mattered. Where had she gone? He had finally found the right woman, and now she had gone. He needed to find her again so he could propose and set a wedding date. Then Colette's face appeared over him, and Gustav remembered she was his sister. His mind cleared, and memories rushed back as she hugged him. Tears of joy streamed down her face, and Gustav smiled weakly. I'm fine. Captain Wist returned without you. He said you'd been attacked by a kraken. Oh, Gustav. Kraken. That was why he was wet. He had been attacked by a kraken. And someone had saved him by singing to him. And whoever she was, he loved her. A crowd of soldiers, courtiers, and sailors surrounded him and Gustav lost Colette in a blur of people and questions. Then two soldiers picked him up and carried him off the beach, ignoring his protest as he searched the dark woods for his mysterious savior. When they reached the castle, Dowager Queen Bernadine took one look at her grandson and ordered him to bed. Gustav made a token protest as the doctor checked him over and tucked him in, but he fell asleep as soon as they left him alone. He dreamed of a song with words he didn't understand. It was cool and refreshing like summer rain, and strands of copper floated around him. Then a warm fire built in his chest, and the rain evaporated to golden mist. Chapter 13 Sunlight Woke Fiora. Not the full, golden sun of land.
This was underwater light dancing and silvery beams refracted by waves, and it pulled her back to consciousness gradually. She slid out from the grotto and stretched. Her tail was stiff from sleeping curled up in a ball, and she checked the edge of her fin. The oysters had left dark bruises, but the pain was mostly gone. Thank goodness for that at least. Memories of yesterday floated slowly into Fiora's mind like bubbles rising to the ocean's surface. The choir. The kraken. King Gustav. She had been too tired to swim all the way back to the city last night, so she had slept in the statue garden instead. Uck! She regretted that decision as she massaged the tension out of her neck. She had spent several nights there as a child, but she had apparently outgrown this particular nook while she was away. Fiora ducked back into the grotto and peeked out to make sure the statue garden was empty. It was. Well, empty of mermaids, at least. There were plenty of stone humans to keep her company. Fiora swam up to her favorite statue. This garden felt safe and familiar. Mostly because of him. The statue was a human boy, about ten years old. He had fallen from a ship when she was the same age and she had helped Kathleen place him above the grotto in the garden that summer. He looked ordinary, and that was Fiora's favorite thing about him. Amid the glitz and sparkle of the mermaid gardens, he seemed real. He wore simple clothes and held something in his hand. Whatever it was, it had broken off when he fell from the ship and never been recovered. His expression was open and friendly, ready to listen even if he couldn't answer. Fiora pulled water through her gills and in a deep breath and smiled at the statue. I'm glad you survived the kraken attacks. He smiled back at her. We were supposed to be safe now that we have the kraken heart, but one woke up and attacked last night. It think, I think I might have caused it. Why couldn't she have paid attention? Her late entry and out-of-tune note had been the only flaw in the performance. Perhaps the problem wasn't her voice or her human heritage. Maybe it was just her in general. I don't belong here. She had always known that deep down, but saying it out loud made it real. It brought back memories of terrified screams and waving tentacles. King Gustav's pale face. He could have died. Others on the ship might have been injured. Had any merfolk been hurt? Fiora closed her eyes to push away the thought. Then she opened them and studied the statue to distract herself. Talking to him had been comforting when she was a child. When she became human and joined her father, she had searched every crowd for his face, certain that they would be friends in real life if they ever met. But she had never found him, and the boy that had once seemed like a friend now looked like a mere child. She had changed, and he had not. I'm not that different, Fiora muttered. He seemed to agree. It was somewhat comforting, which made Fiora feel even more pathetic. She hummed a tune, tentatively at first, then with more confidence when her magic responded normally and nothing exploded. Water swirled around the statue, brushing sand off the stone until he gleamed in the silvery light. She swished her tail and curtsied, feeling a little better now that she had put something in order. I don't suppose you did anything interesting while I was away. Of course he didn't answer. Fiora sighed. I didn't do much either. I trained to be a princess then went to parties and tried to catch a husband. I needed love to stay human, but I couldn't find it. 
you might be the only human that actually likes me. The boy simply smiled back at her. Fiora pushed water out of her gills in a sigh. This had been much more comforting when she was young. Now she just felt crazy for talking to a rock. The kraken attack had kicked up a lot of debris, covering the statues in a thin layer of white sand that almost looked like snow. Fiora swam through the garden, singing softly and brushing the statues clean. She told herself she wasn't delaying her return to the summer city. She was setting things right as best she could. The statue Leander had delivered yesterday had fallen to its side, as had several other new additions. Fiora chose the nearest one and pushed it upright. Once it was secure, she hummed and created a current to pull sand from the statue's intricate beard. The hair seemed to ripple in the water. For a moment, it seemed the statue was alive and looking at her. Fiora blinked, and the moment passed. She should probably stop talking to statues if she was going to imagine things. She studied the man's face. His expression was sad and resigned. A strange thing to carve, but the craftsmanship was incredible. His beard was just as detailed as the statue she had noticed Leander moving yesterday. Perhaps they had been carved by the same artist. Stop being pathetic, Fiora muttered to herself. How desperate did you have to be to procrastinate facing your family by studying a statue's beard? The ground rumbled, and Fiora dove back into the grotto. Perhaps she had been stupid to sing again. What if she had awoken another kraken? When the ground stopped shaking, Fiora peeked out from the grotto. Nothing seemed damaged, and there was no sign of kraken. What was causing the tremors then? Whatever it was, she didn't want to stick around to find out. Fiora hummed a tune to speed her journey back to the city. Her red hair glistened in the morning sun as she swam. She darted behind buildings on her way to the castle, not eager to face any more merfolk than she had to. She swam up the side of the castle and ducked into an opening that led directly to the throne room. There's no sign of her, Madame Isla was saying. You must admit it looks. She clamped her mouth shut when Fiora entered. Fiora swam down through the room and settled next to Zoe. Her cousin gave her a tentative smile. Was anyone hurt last night? Fiora signed. Zoe shook her head, and Fiora relaxed a little. And the kraken? Asleep, Zoe answered. Fiora relaxed a little further. Everything was all right then. So why was everyone on the royal council looking at her like that? Fiora, where have you been? Queen Galerus asked. Fiora winced at the accusation in her grandmother's voice. The words carried just a trace of magic, and the merfolk's hair stirred in the current it created. A human fell overboard during the attack. I took him to shore and was too tired to swim all the way back. I spent the night in the statue garden. Kathleen and Zoe sighed with relief. Althea and Queen Galerus remained stoic. Madame Isla and Leander looked like they didn't believe a word she said. What happened to your singing yesterday, Fiora? Kathleen said. Fiora winced. So they were just going to jump right in then. She should have expected this. Mermaids tended to be more direct than humans. I got distracted. I'm sorry. Distracted? Leander said. You accidentally woke a kraken because you got distracted. The disbelief in his tone made Fiora stiffen. Yes, I was distracted. 
The oysters were pinching my fin, and there was a lot going on. I see. You were distracted by oysters. The same oysters everyone else was wearing. Fiora's magic isn't very strong, Zoe said. Fiora turned to her cousin in surprise, and Zoe smiled as if she had said something helpful. Queen Galaris considered Fiora for a moment before turning to her sister. Madam Isla, what do you think? The human scholar looked distinctly uncomfortable. It seems unlikely that a few out-of-tune notes from a weak singer would completely cancel the Kraken Heart's enchantment. However, if they were carefully planned. Wait. Do you think I woke the Kraken on purpose? Leander swam forward, putting himself between Fiora and Queen Galaris. Your Majesty, Princess Fiora has spent the last ten years among humans. It is possible that she was sent back to the ocean to spy on us and sabotage us however she could. Fiora gasped. You think I tried to sabotage you? The Kraken attack started when you arrived. Leander's face was calm, and his hazel eyes remained serious. Fiora looked at the other mermaids, hoping to see her own disbelief mirrored in their expressions. Kathleen and Zoe looked bewildered, but Althea, Madame Isla, and Queen Galaris seemed to be considering the idea. Fiora's tail flicked in irritation, making her float a little higher than the rest of the merfolk. Leander swam higher as well, keeping himself between Fiora and the Queen. That's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I would never sabotage you. Even if I wanted to, my voice isn't strong enough to control a kraken. Leander turned to Madame Isla. Kel is one of the more magical human kingdoms, is it not? They do have their own style of magic, and it seems unaffected by whatever caused the rest of the human kingdoms to give up the art of enchantment. Don't lecture me about Kel's magic. Fiora said. I lived there for ten years. Then you know it, Leander said. Fiora sputtered, too angry to speak. As a matter of fact, she didn't. Her stepmother had declared her too old to learn magic and shut her out of the rooms where such things were studied. But if the merfolk believed she was capable of waking dark creatures to rampage through their cities, they would certainly believe she was capable of lying about her magical education. Queen Galaris turned to Althea and Kathleen. What are your thoughts on this matter? Fiora would never do such a thing. Zoe said. Quiet, dear, Kathleen said. Of course she wouldn't. Queen Galaris, Fiora is family. Our royal sister. Nissa's daughter would never attack us in the way Leander suggests. But she's also the daughter of the human responsible for Nissa's death, Althea said. What did you say? Althea's face stiffened until it seemed made of stone. Fiora clenched her fists, desperately trying to keep her voice under control. What do you mean that my father is responsible for my mother's death? What are you saying? She looked around the gathering, hoping to see something in their faces that would refute the statement. Instead, the mermaids refused to meet her gaze. That can't be true. We don't believe he did it on purpose, Kathleen said gently. So you think he killed her by accident? And you didn't bother to tell me? That is not the matter we are discussing, Queen Galaris said. The past can be sorted out later. Right now, the important question is the matter of Fiora's voice. 
if it is at all possible that she woke the kraken. I didn't wake the kraken. Magic rippled through the water as Fiora yelled the words. She swallowed and tried to calm herself. I didn't wake the kraken, she whispered, desperately trying to keep the emotion out of her voice. How can you think that? Since I returned, I have worked as hard as I can to help. I have studied every song. Given my best to every assignment. I certainly hope that wasn't your best, Madam Isla said. She pulled a fork from behind her ear and combed her hair. Fiora clenched her fists. I'm trying. Why can't anyone see that I'm trying? Her words rumbled through the throne room, pushing the merfolk away. Perhaps it would be best to imprison her until we can evaluate her magic and investigate her ties to the human world, Leander said. No. This time, Fiora unleashed her magic on purpose. She pushed the merfolk against the walls while she swam through a hole in the ceiling. She raced towards the first building she saw. The library. She would rather wear oysters on her tail again than let them put her in prison. If neither of her families wanted her, she would escape and make her own way. She didn't need them. What had Althea meant, saying that her father was responsible for her mother's death? Fiora didn't know exactly how her mother had died only that it had been a complication from the magic that had allowed her to live as a human and be with the man she loved. In her darker moments, Fiora had thought perhaps her mother's death had been related to giving birth to her. That perhaps she had been the cause, and that was why no one would ever discuss it with her. But apparently that was not the case. Why hadn't they told her? Why didn't they trust her? Fiora wiped angry tears away and ducked into the library. She swam towards the shelf that contained transformation charms and grabbed the largest conch. That seemed a good place to start. She read the first lines of the elegant script that wound around the shell. An enchantment for transformation into a human. Fiora. Fiora clutched the shell to her chest and spun around. Zoe floated slowly towards her, shaking her head when Fiora tends to swim away. I'm here to help, she whispered. Fiora, I know you didn't wake the kraken. If anything, I probably sang a wrong note. I'm sure it was my fault. Zoe looked like she truly believed that. No, you didn't, Zoe. I'm the one who sang off-key, but it wasn't on purpose. Zoe frowned at the conch shell in Fiora's hands. You're not planning to run again. What choice do I have? Talk to them. Explain. They won't listen. They never listen. It's why I ran away the last time. The emotion in her voice swept water through the room, knocking shells out of their places. It pulled the clamshell off the golden ball Fiora had hidden. The metal glinted in the light, distracting Zoe for a moment. Then the young mermaid shook her head and turned back to Fiora. Then let me talk to them. I can convince them. Only Zoe would believe that was possible but Fiora couldn't bear to extinguish the hope in her cousin's eyes. I'll hide in the statue garden while I practice the transformation song. Come alone and sing the healing song as a sign if they change their minds. Zoe nodded and darted through the library ceiling. Fiora swam through the hole nearest the floor. She moved slowly through the city, staying in shadows so the sunlight on her red hair wouldn't give her away. Her hair always gave her away. 
she would need to do something about that. Fiora changed course and swam to the kitchens. She ducked in and grabbed a bottle of squid ink before she left the summer city. 